Talk Live. You can bring up anything that you want. Toll free, 855-450-FREE. I guess we'll see how long my voice holds out for uh, tonight. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. I'm always here to take over if, if you need me. 855-450-3733. You just hate it being in the first chair, Mark. It's, it's too much, too I stressful. I hate it. It's just not that much fun. It is a lot more fun to sit in the second chair. It is. You just got to sit over here. Sit back with your drink and just. You know, kind of chill out. Yep. You don't really have to worry about too if much. If the guy in the first chair, chair sends something stupid, you call him a jerk. <laughs> it's easy. So uh, we'll take your calls about anything. 855-450-3733. You know, uh, Ron Paul apparently has given his farewell address. And I. it was described by our very own Derek J as epic. I have not yet read it. And it is epic in length, let me tell you. <laughs> this guy must have spent an hour talking on the floor of Congress as he uh, pre- prepared to uh, say his goodbyes. He'd been there for more than a decade. So. Uh, 23 years in office over a 36-year period. Hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll be able to pick out, pick out some excerpts from that for you because I imagine he did say some really excellent things in there. Uh, of course, we'll take your calls about whatever's on your mind. Plus... Coming up, more news on the secession petitions that have now spread to all 50 states with over 700,000 signatures in total. uh, I don't know if I like that number because I've gone and I've signed many of those uh, petitions and I'm sure that many people have done the same thing. So if you're counting each one of my signatures as a signature, it's not 700,000. Yeah, there'd be 700,000 of them. Uh, and several more states, by the way, have qualified now. So it was just, I think it was yesterday or the day before, it was just Texas. Uh, Louisiana was on the way up. And then there's uh, there's a, a full list that one Texas website... Texas is up over 100,000 signatures. Are they over 100 now? As I understand it. That's good to know. And uh, so other states have qualified, and we can tell you more about what's going on with that. But let's go to the phones first. Tom, in New Hampshire, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Tom. Yeah, and first of all, that Ron Paul farewell uh, address is on YouTube. But what I want to bring oh, up is a place called Boston Corner, uh, which has a history of ha- having been a one of the few places where there was no law enforcement for years and years. It's uh, okay. You take a look at a map and you find Mount Washington, Massachusetts, in the corner of Massachusetts where it meets Connecticut. There's more than one Mount Washington. Yeah, but it's the town of Mount Washington, Massachusetts. Oh. Is there actually okay. a Mount Washington, though, like an, as in a mount, mountain? That I don't know, but it hmm. borders Connecticut and New York. Okay. And in the extreme corner of the town was a village called uh, Boston, Boston corner. corner. And there was no law enforcement there because to get to it, you would have to go over this uh, um, impassable terrain, the, the, the mountainous terrain. It was They couldn't get to it. And it was in Massachusetts, so the New York cops couldn't enforce new new york laws there either mm-hmm. and so the people were pretty much on their own and having a good time uh you know setting up a hotel and they didn't have to worry about paying taxes or, or voting or anything because they just ran things as they saw fit and gambling when and, was this uh, this was in the 1850s okay until such time as somebody uh decided let's have a championship boxing match when boxing was illegal and thousands of people came onto this little village to watch this boxing match that uh, was in Massachusetts. And uh, the guy that everybody was rooting for was clobbering the other guy and was getting congratulated. Hey, you know, you did a great job. He thought he had won. 
And the other guy got back up again for another round. And the referee says, well, where's the guy everybody's rooting for? He, he loses by forfeit because he, he walked away thinking he had won. Hmm. And all these people, keep in mind, no law against public drunkenness, no way to shut people off. Drunk as a skunk, thousands of people rioted and went around looting people's houses oh, and looting the hotel and everything. It was just massive, all hell breaking loose. Wow. And then uh, some people, local villagers, fled for their lives hopping a freight train that was going by. And then uh, as after things cooled down, they petitioned, hey, can you redraw the line so that I mean, we're better off with some kind of law enforcement. Redraw the line across that nasty terrain. Take a look at Google Maps, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. You zoom in in that town, you see where Boston Corner was just inside of Massachusetts. But after an act of the Massachusetts legislature and an act of the New York legislature and then an act of Congress as required for any compact between states, it is now part of New York so that there's some laws there. But that's a uh, way, you know, people who are looking into the history of anarchy or any of that, uh, they might find a case study in that and ask, well, what do you do when that happens? Like, uh, you have humongous crowds going into Vatican City. What would a small town police department have done? They wouldn't have been able to do much either in a in a situation. Well, they would have like said that. that you can't have a permit to have this boxing match here. Hmm. That's what they. Or they would have brought in reinforcements from the same jurisdiction, like you know when they have. The football games in Foxborough, you know, the Foxborough Police Department wouldn't be able to handle that, but they would call in reinforcements with with jurisdiction. See, and this place was outside of the jurisdiction. It was de facto beyond the reach of Massachusetts law enforcement and de jure beyond the reach of New York law enforcement. So they hmm. waved their magic wand and manufactured some documents, and so now the New York bureaucrats get to enforce New York laws there. Interesting story, Tom. I I learned something new tonight, and I appreciate the call. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So does that prove that uh, you got to have uh, government police around? Is that story? I don't know. I mean, what does it say? It says that, uh, you know, to me, in in that circumstance, like you said, you know, police wouldn't be able to, wouldn't have been able to do anything about a a riot in that circumstance. Mm Um and you know the only thing they really could have done is deny the uh, the the you know the permit to have the boxing match in the first place because it was against the law to do such a thing, um, or they would could have requ- had presuming to, it is against the law to do such a thing. I mean, uh, it may not be in the 1850s. It was. I mean, it's to have claim. a boxing match. It, that's the claim of the story. I mean, oh, did he say that? I missed. Yes, I missed did. that. So that's why they went there to have the boxing matches. That's right. That's why they chose that place because it was illegal every place else, and this was essentially a lawless place. Well, in the uh, in, in this, of course, once that happens, you're going to be ready for it. Uh, you mean the next time? Yeah. I mean, you know, sorry, that's that. You if know, the town is get burned down, that's, that's or whatever. How, it's how how people learn lessons. Well, it's interesting that uh, the crowd of sports hoodlum fanatics uh, apparently hasn't changed over the years. You know, certainly we've seen plenty of instances of sports team fans after their team wins going out. Excuse me, going out and uh, wreaking havoc on the surrounding or area. Or they lose. Right, but it's even more bizarre when they win. It's like, what are you doing? It's your city. <laughs> uh, so they, you know, we've seen examples of this these days, but it always happens around some stadium, which of course is in some kind of major city where there's a lot of police around. 
uh, you know, there necessarily wouldn't be anything to stop someone from throwing a boxing event or something like that or some kind of sporting event in a small town and then having a similar uh, occasion happen today. Uh, you know, I'd say that to some extent that's a consequence of making boxing illegal is that they had to take it to this small village mm-hmm. in order to have it, whereas they could have had it in some larger venue that would have been more centralized to more people and have had security uh, more available and things like that. So to some extent, this was a problem that the government caused in the first place. Hey, I'm not against uh, – first of all, I'm not an anarchist and neither are you, Mark. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not against the idea of having protection services. I you just don't have protection. I just don't want them to be a monopoly on protection services. So I want to be able to choose and I want to be able to decide You know, what I value. You know, Do I want to have service around the clock? Do I want to have a, a personal bodyguard or do I want to – have somebody come check my house a couple times a week, you know, drive by. What what kind of level of service do I want? You know, in the marketplace, you get to select the kind of phone service you have. Do you want long distance? Do you want just the local calling? You know, do you want unlimited? Uh, so with protection services, there could very well be different tiers of service like that. There's pretty much different tiers of service with just about any service you get. Yeah. And so you could have the, that kind of a choice. And then in addition, let's say there were police in this town. And that uh, the riot happens and the police realize they're way outnumbered. So they decide they're just going to dig in and protect the police station. What, uh, you know, what do you do then? Your house has been set on fire or the windows have been smashed. Things have been destroyed. Do the police owe you anything? Because they didn't protect you? No. No, they don't. 855-450-FREE. But if you had a private contract with a protection agency, they might. Are you a fan of beer, liberty, and good conversation? Do you support freedom, peace, and voluntary interaction? Are you looking to meet others who think like you? Don't wait for your move to the Free State Project to get started when you can do something about it today. This is Amanda Mill, encouraging you to set up a Liberty on the Rocks network near you to begin connecting and informing libertarian thinkers over drinks. Visit www.libertyontherocks.org. Free Talk Live, you can bring up anything you want. Just dial in toll-free to 1-855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 855-450-3733. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. And you can join us online over at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features we have there for you. We give them away. And those features include the mobile site. If you've got a smartphone and you want quick access to our live streams, just go to m, as in mobile, dot freetalklive.com. And you can get them there. Broadband, midband, narrowband, they're all free. M.freetalklive.com. Uh, Bitcoins are an online peer-to-peer open source currency that allow you to send and receive money on the internet without paying any fees. Your account, when, when it comes to Bitcoins, is yours to control, as opposed to a bank account in the United States or any country around the world, which is really available to the whims of whatever that government is. In the United States, banks are beholden to the Federal Reserve and to you know the government in general. If the government, the IRS, says we're going to freeze that account for whatever reason, they can be right, they can be wrong. They're just going to freeze your account. The bank doesn't care. The bank doesn't care about due process. The bank cares about its butt, and its butt is on the line, whereas with Bitcoins, 
your account's yours to control. And that's really important. Bitcoins are being accepted day after day by more and more businesses. There are thousands of businesses now accepting bitcoins, and uh, you know it's it, it's an amazing thing. Uh, you know, there's a there's a Bitcoin store out there. It's called BitcoinStore.com. There's a website out there where you can buy consumer level electronics for bitcoins and bitcoins only. They don't even accept regular money at. Uh, so it's uh, bitcoins. If you want to find out more about them, go to WeUseCoins.org. If you want a free online wallet that's encrypted. Go to blockchain.info. Our toll-free number here again, 855-450-FREE. Let's continue with your calls, your thoughts, and then coming up, Texas and secession. Some are saying it's possible, and others are saying, let them go. There's a liberal kind of perspective on these things uh, that, you know, obviously the perspective is that it's the conservatives in Texas that want to leave, so liberals in San Francisco are saying, hey, we don't have a problem Take your with that. electoral college votes and go. Yep. So we'll go uh, to that here in a little bit, but your calls come first. So Chris is listening to LRN.FM in Indiana. Hey, Chris. Hey. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey. I, uh, I just called in with a little known fact about silver. It is the best electrical conductor of any known metal. I thought gold was better. No. The gold's number three behind it. Silver, copper, and then gold. Okay. Hmm, interesting. Yep. 63 million simians per meter is what uh, silver is. So that basically means you can put more electricity through silver than through copper and gold. Okay. Yeah, and but, one of uh, now and and one of the reasons that people believe that silver is a good investment, the silver bugs out there, and I have most of the precious metals I have is uh, silver also, and uh, as a um, you know, just a warning to everybody, they, this is one of the reasons the industrial uses that silver has a not just jewelry uses but industrial uses also. Gold, not really the industrial uses. But gold's really good because it's soft and it never corrodes. So a silver core conductor with gold around it, like a light paint gold, mm-hmm. will last eternity. So you mm. could put them in like space engines and stuff like that. That's interesting because if you look at consumer electronics, you know the fancier stuff has the gold-plated connectors. So you're saying that uh, that would prevent corrosion over time but ultimately is not the most efficient. Really good for connections because it's soft. Mm-hmm. So you actually do get like all your all your sound equipment. If you're not going through little connections, you're you hurting yourself. So gotcha. And cool. then power silver silver conducts power. Like you can actually put more electrons through silver than through copper, which is what everybody uses in all computers. You know, copper with like both connections. Good to know. I'm learning all kinds of stuff here tonight on uh, Free Talk Live. Measured simians per meter. Now let, let me ask you this though, um, you know the phone company switching from copper to uh, fiber optic. Fiber right. optic. Why are they doing that? Okay, electricity is light. Okay, the speed of light was determined by the the Maxwell equations, which is basically the the electromagnetic equation. Light is actually what you actually see is radiation that is actually electricity. Yeah, you know it's it's a certain measure of electricity and it's the, uh, electromagnetic spectrum or whatever it is so connection yes connection can be sent this huge spectrum can be sent over light whereas just the regular you know copper connection you you can't the bandwidth with is much smaller so fiber optic is the way to go with connections and hard wire like hard actual metal gold and silver 
Good info, Chris. Thanks for sharing. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. 855-450-FREE is the toll-free number. There you go, Mark. You know, I, I think I've, I think he explained that better than I've ever had anybody explain that to me before. Yeah, absolutely. And right out of the blue. You can bring up anything you want here, 855-450-FREE. So, Texas, secession. We found out last night from Google Trends that the words secession and secede have had a huge spike in usage just over the last 48 hours. And uh, the, the reporters on these major news networks and stuff are talking about it. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that, and uh, and and as they should, because people are actually talking about this. Something that on Free Talk Live we've been saying for years. Hey, people need to start talking about secession. Let's just get the the conversation started. Well, that's happening, and I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, we'll give you an update here because uh, I haven't checked the trends today. I want to see if the spike is continuing to go up because the spike as of yesterday was the highest of. Uh, of all time that Google Trends has been tracking since 2004, yesterday was the highest, with the second highest being uh, around the election of George W. Bush for the second time back in 2004, interestingly. So uh, in one case, it appears to be Democrats. In the other case, it appears to be Republicans. Which means that the idea of secession has bipartisan parties. support. Uh, so let's go to this news story here from businessinsider.com. I got this one from John Bush down in the Austin area today. When Thomas Dunn published Don't Mess With Texas in May, my comedic political novel about uh, a freewheeling Texas governor who becomes fed up with a constitution-stomping president and decides to secede, I knew I'd landed on something relevant. I didn't know it was this relevant. As of this writing, the Texas petition to peacefully withdraw from the United States via the White House's petition, open petition webpage is up to 62,481. Mark, you say it's past 100,000 uh, as of us doing the show tonight. I saw, yes. And this guy wrote this article yesterday, so that means it's almost doubled in 24 hours. Once it, uh, once it gets rolling, there's nothing that can you know, really stop uh, you know, something like that. On its way to tripling the required names needed to trigger a response from the Obama administration, which we've yet to see. No doubt Texas's desire to break free is a source... Do you think they're gonna, you're going to see a response to this? I expect not. I think that the, or some kind of blow-off. Oh, well, I think you'll see a civics lesson. The President of the United States cannot grant secession to a state. Thank you for your time. Now, when these things were written, they should have been written uh, mm-hmm. a, as a, a basically a, a request for peace. It, Some of them were. Is, yeah, but, you know, got to say, the, the ones that are getting attention, just like, we're going to secede, and we want you to give us sanction, dear Lord. And, um, you know, that's not what it's about. The president can't let a state secede or not, and I don't even know how that would go necessarily go about it. It's never really been done successfully. So... It's really about whether or not the commander-in-chief of the armed forces will employ bombs, guns, uh, military, and these kind of airplanes against against its uh, former citizens. We'll come back and give you the reasons why this author says Texas can do this. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press, the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com.
This is Free Talk Live, toll-free number for you to bring up anything you want, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can join us online. Head over to freetalklive.com. Enjoy the archives. We've got a bunch of them. They go all the way back to late 2006, and they are free. Now, unlike those other talk show hosts that want to charge you for accessing their site, we give it away. So enjoy over at freetalklive.com. SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable. You can find their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. Principal over there, Jason Osborne, has been a fan of Free Talk Live and a big supporter of Free Talk Live for a very long time. And, you know, if you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of accounts receivable, I'd really appreciate it if you go on over there to SACL CAI's website. You can get there through the banner at freetalklive.com and check them out. SACL CAI. Coming up, the reasons why Texas can secede according to businessinsider.com. But first, we go to the phones and your thoughts. Jared's in Michigan, in Detroit. Jared, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, um, before I get to my main point, I find it funny that you're talking about Texas leaving the country um, because uh, last Tuesday, Puerto Rico voted to become a state. So if Texas left and they joined, they wouldn't have to really the, the flag. It would still be 50 stars. I had heard that they were voting on that. And I didn't get the results. I didn't realize. How much do you recall what the vote was in Puerto Rico? About 54 hmm. percent. Those so, poor other forty six percent. Yeah, what a shock, it was man! Between three, uh, either leaving the country, remaining a territory, or becoming a state. So the vote was split three three ways. But um, well, I know that Puerto Rico. The, um, one of the one of the reasons that Puerto Ricans wanted to stay is is that there's a lot of money flowing their direction from the United States, as opposed to the amount of money that they pay individually in taxes. Mm-hmm. And you've got to ask yourself, um, for instance, I sign up for uh you know, uh, you know i pay income tax uh or i, I actually I, I fill out an income tax form and many people do this uh, and a lot of people get money back just by filling out the form there's there's welfare built earned into, income credit right right there's uh, the, the earned income tax credit is that right sounds right yes. And there's money built into just filling out this form. So a lot of people, they don't want to get stop income tax. They're getting paid by that thing. So, you know, a lot of people don't, wouldn't want to secede from the union either. Either I mean, sure, they can get some level of sovereignty or whatever, but what <laughs> – I mean, why, why would you want it if you're getting paid? Well, the truth is all the territories are a uh, free money pit for them. I mean, there's yeah, too much sure. money for them to gain than not. So when people talk about these islands leaving, whether it's, you know, Guam or whoever, the truth is they get a ton of money from the federal government. And it wouldn't be in their best interest to leave because then they'd be a third uh, third world crappy island because they're not set up in a way to support their own economy. I mean, Puerto Rico technically could, but those real small ones, I don't see how they – I don't see how. But um, the reason I was calling about was the Oregon – I mean, not Oregon, the uh, – the Washington uh, pot deal, and Colorado did it too. Uh, this might speed up the uh, slowing down of the war on drugs, and here's the reason why. You brought up a very fascinating point. On, uh, your, I was listening to your podcast, Mark, about how you said, what if a state only fined you a dollar if you possess under a pound of pot? Right. Montana did something very similar in the 70s when um, 
the nationwide speed limit was 55. Prior to that, Montana never had a speed limit in the daytime, and at night it was either 60 or 65. Mm -hmm. And when the feds kept on pushing them on it, they wrote a law that said if you broke the speed limit, the fine was no more than $5. It could be paid on the spot. And from my (laughs) understanding of it, it wouldn't count against your driving record or anything. So it was just a way that they that they thumbed their nose in the Fed's face. But still were able to take the federal money. Exactly right, yeah. Yeah. So that's what they did. Oh, no, it's it's a crime to to speed, but what they really didn't say was it was a $5 fine. When people would have a stack of fives in their center console in their car, (laughs) in the rare chance that they got pulled over, they'd just give the cop a five, you'd give them a little ticket, and, you know, you pay the fine, blah, blah, blah. That is that is really unusual to be able to pay a fine on the spot. Like a lot of people would say that that's uh, you know that leads to corruption uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, but it's interesting. I never heard of that. You before. know, I, this may very well be a true story. I, I certainly don't know. Um, but when I went through Montana in the late nineties, there was no daytime speed limit. Still, I was through there a couple of years ago. It was daytime. It was seventy. Yep. Night. It was sixty. A few years ago, maybe five or six, they changed it. But uh, this was in the late 90s. They had no daytime speed limit. That's, that, would be pretty, that would be pretty sweet. I've never been through a state that doesn't have the speed limit or anything higher than 75. But um, but it is interesting because the truth is the the feds don't have the, man, the manpower to crack down on all these states. And with a lot of states, you know, coming up to uh, – a point to where they have no money to pay pensions or anything else, they're going to have to look at other places to cut. That's a good point. And thankfully, the war on drugs might be a place where liberals and conservatives may be, you know, willing to say, "Okay, fine, let's, you know, cut when it comes to this." Because I think you're going to see a lot of money being saved in Washington as well as. Colorado, the manpower point—the uh, manpower point's a really good one, and it's easy to look at the current situation and say, "Oh, well, you know, Washington, Colorado—they're screwed because the DEA is going to keep targeting uh, marijuana dealers out there. They're going to target yeah, the stores." How? Well, they can do it in a small area pretty effectively. You target the stores, you go after them, and you take out their their inventory, uh, take out their cash, which is what they've done in California, but. As more marijuana decriminalization or legalization happens around the country, that will become more difficult for the DEA, especially if they don't get to use the local resources anymore. Because one of the things that they count on is that local police departments turn cases over to them. They're not, you know, they're not going to necessarily be running all of their own investigations all around the country, right? I mean, I'm just speculating. They also count on them too, Ian. Say again. They also count on them too to help. Uh, to help step into the task to the task force right. and to be warm bodies. And if states started to say no to that, which some of them might, then the, unless the Department of Justice plans on hiring, you know, 150,000 new feds to crack down on these states, I just don't see that happening. And if, if more states 
States where to say, yeah, I wouldn't want any part in, in this. It's going to happen. Good thoughts tonight, Jared. we got to let you go. Your phone's a little crappy, but I appreciate your call tonight. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. One of the problems, though, is if they open up uh, you know, marijuana convenience stores in downtown Denver, the DEA could make a lot of problems for those people individually. They just go around in a truck from place to place, sure. busting them because they're selling marijuana. And they're, they're selling it on a large scale. And they start dragging them and their employees off to jail in handcuffs. It's going to be pretty quick um, that they're going to be shutting these but places down. But they won't down. drag anyone off to jail because they haven't been doing that in California. Now, think about this. They haven't. If that the, doesn't mean that they won't do it. That doesn't mean they won't, but they probably won't because they have it in California. And why is that? Well, it's because they don't want to actually have to go up against a human being that could potentially take something to court and could potentially get in front of a jury. Right? So you go in, you raid the business, you take all their marijuana, you take all their cash, and you walk away if you're the DEA. You just call that a day. You got some cash. You got the, the, the dope. Uh, you know, that's that. Because if you bring That's those, all they've done so far. Right. If Well, recently at least. If you yeah. bring those charges against people, then you've got a court case. Whereas if you bring charges against $100,000 in cash, the cash can't get up and hire its own attorney. But the people that are running these stores certainly could. But, and if I were in a state in which marijuana were completely legalized... I would expect I'd have a fairly decent chance in front of a jury. You know, um, business owners are going to uh, figure out ways. To, uh, they, they may be able to get insurance uh, at some point. Some insurance company may crop up. That'll Raid cover, insurance. That'll cover, um, you know, the, the, the <laughs> marijuana being taken. And you can certainly come up with a safe system, a system of safes that mm-hmm. the DEA cannot get into easily. Sure, the market could certainly handle that. 855-450-FREE. And I, I think, you know, Jared's got it. If there are enough decriminalizations or legalizations around the country, it'll become something that is completely fruitless for the DEA. 855-453. In fact, I heard something about uh, Connecticut, I believe, Rhode Island, introducing legislation to legalize. Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. You likely buy all kinds of things online. Amazon is the largest online retailer. You can get what you need at the same prices with free super saver shipping by going to shop.freetalklive.com. Please do your online shopping at shop.freetalklive.com. That is the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And it's Ian. Give us a call at 855-450-3733. Mark, you want to tell me about BitInstant.com? Sure. BitInstant.com is the place to go to get your Bitcoins. Just spoke about Bitcoins in the last segment. They're an online, peer-to-peer, open-source currency. Allow you to send and receive money on the internet without having to pay any fees. BitInstant.com is the fastest, easiest, safest way to get your Bitcoins. They've got more than a million locations that you can go and deposit cash. Many of these locations, you can do it without giving 
any kind of identifying information uh, about yourself. So they're completely anonymous in that way. Um, you can, of course, operate on uh, with Bitcoins in a way that uh, makes one anonymous. You need to do a little studying about that. I'm not going to say that the, uh, the Bitcoin is an anonymous currency, but it's potentially anonymous. BitInstant.com to go get your Bitcoins gives you complete control over your own money. BitInstant.com. All right, let's go to the phones to you and your thoughts. Then coming up, reasons why... Uh, one author thinks Texas can secede. Let's go to Daryl listening in our very own Keene, New Hampshire, to Liberty 94.3. Hey, Daryl. Hey, Ian. Hey, Mark. Hey, what's uh, on your a mind? couple callers ago called in and mentioned that Puerto Rico had the vote on statehood this past mm-hmm. Tuesday, or actually it was a week ago Tuesday. Uh, that was actually a non-binding plebiscite. Oh, And it was done in a two-step process, which is the first time that they've ever done this, to where question one asked, do you believe that Puerto Rico should maintain its status as a territory? So a yes answer meant yes, remain a territory. A no answer meant change status. Mm -hmm. Question two gave three options, statehood, independence, or a state in free association which is something very similar to what uh, Micronesia and Palau, mm-hmm. and there's one other that I don't remember who it is. So basically they're independent, but they rely on a lot of federal U.S. federal government protections, such as military, postal service, things along that line. I'd like to point out that before you go on, Daryl, a lot of people will point out the military is a good reason to stay in the Union. And I say otherwise. The fact is, is that the United States military, quote unquote, protects most of the world or at the very least, most of the Western Hemisphere. If somebody decided to invade Costa Rica, which has no standing military, the United States military, the Navy would make it very difficult on them to do it in the first place. And it's likely the United States government would send the military in to prevent that, um, you know, from the beginning. Well, but you can't count on them to provide your protection services for you if you're going to secede. Nope, you certainly can't. But the shipping lanes are going to continue to remain open because the United States military is going to, the, the Navy wants them to remain open, right? Um, unless they right. decide to ignore everyone flying the Texas flag. Or put a blockade in where you where you are. Of course, that's an act of war. Daryl? Right. So 54% of Puerto Ricans said that they wanted a change of status. Uh-huh. Okay. And then of the people that voted on question two, 61% wanted statehood. wanted the state and free association, and 5% wanted full independence. But what is interesting, 26% of the people that voted one way or the other on question one did not vote on question two. Why? So when you consider that, then 45% of people that voted in the election wanted statehood. I see what you're saying. No, so a lot of the people that did not vote on question two were ones that voted mm-hmm. to remain a territory, and they boycotted question two. Why so do you think that is? Not, well, because they didn't want to choose one of the three options. They want to remain a territory, uh, so they boycotted the second question. Yeah, 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 okay. 
Yeah, I got you. Uh, so what you're pointing out is it was not in point of fact half of the voters or more than half of the voters who voted to become a state. Right. It was actually 45% of the people that cast a ballot cast a vote on the second question in support of statehood. Mm-hmm. But 61%, it was, you know, 61% of the people that voted on question 2 voted for statehood. Now, what's the benefit to uh, anybody in Puerto Rico of Puerto Rico being a state? The uh, the statistically insignificant uh, possibility that your vote might be the thing that allows uh, the breaks a tie uh, to allow some representative to be elected from one side or the other? Is that the idea? I really do not understand the support for statehood, but what I find interesting is that people are somehow thinking that Puerto Rico will now become a state. Hmm. Any action on the future of Puerto Rico must be uh, initiated by Congress. Ah. And back in 2009, Congress actually had a bill that was H.R. 2499, which would have given Puerto Rico a binding plebiscite, that never got passed. Uh, I think it passed through the House of Representatives, never passed the Senate. So then the Puerto Rican legislature basically took the same wording and made it a non-binding plebiscite. Which, interestingly enough, when I did a write-in campaign for Senate in Alabama in 2008, I called for a binding plebiscite in the same two-step process that they did. And this was the first time they ever had a two-step plebiscite. Plebiscite sounds like it should be an insect, doesn't it? <laughs> it kind That's of very does. Hel- very helpful, Ian. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so basically... So I, I kind of take credit for the whole idea of what happened because it was after I did a write-in campaign and said we need a two-step process that they actually had the legislation. So basically, Puerto Rico is not going to become a state unless the federal government decides to make a move, in which case what the people of Puerto Rico want won't be a factor, right? Uh, Well, I think what most likely Congress will do is revive the legislation. You know, of course, it's going to have a new bill number, but basically take what was H.R. 2499, and revamp it just a little bit and then give Puerto Rico a binding plebiscite. I see. And but so, I don't expect Congress to initiate statehood anytime soon. So then at the, once they have the binding plebiscite, which is a direct vote of the qualified voters of a state in regard to some important public question, then it would be up to a majority rule on at that point? So then, you know, if this vote that they had was binding, then, you know, the 61 percent that voted on the second question that voted for statehood, that would be the majority rule. Got it. Thanks for clearing that up, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Anything else you want to share? Nope, that's it. Thanks, Daryl. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You know, I, I, one wonders why the United States government wants places like uh, Puerto Rico. I mean, what's the benefit to the U.S. people? It's a um, it is not it's, it's, it doesn't generate tax money. And so, you know, why do they want it? Why wouldn't they just kick them out and make them one of these states in free association? Mm. Sure. Somebody invades. We'll be there. 
maybe uh, maybe you'll see them reintroduce this uh, legislation he was talking about if Texas secedes. Maybe all of a sudden they'll be motivated because they want to have the 50 stars on the flag. That would be a dumb enough reason for them to do it, right? You know, um, I think that they can come up with – I've taken a look at uh, different flag setups, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you can make the flag look fine with 51, 52, sure. 49, 48. Mm-hmm. I think the flag has always looked best with the 48 stars personally, mm. but I can see why they'd want to maintain 50. And well, I don't think they're going to let Texas just secede right away. Think about this for a second. Nothing's going to happen unless Texas legislature makes a move. Right? Understood. Think what. Think about this for a second. Who uh, the the national debt is at this point seventeen trillion dollars, fourteen trillion dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, ten uh, more than ten trillion, less than twenty tw- trillion dollars. Yep. How much of that do the people of Texas owe? No, no one owes that debt except for the government. Do you really think that the government believes that? Uh, who cares? Well, there you go. So if uh, every state of the union uh, decides that they're going to leave the United States government, right. then all those uh, debts just go away. That's right. Uh, what about the bonds that, uh, you know, the, the treasury bonds and things that, uh, You're screwed. Th- that the United States American people have uh, have Shouldn't have bought out? those things. There if, you go. See, this is a pretty, uh, is, is a pretty, uh, you know, Hey, you invested position. in a criminal gang. I mean, it's what do you expect? It's just another criminal gang, man. Right. That's what I'm saying. If you invested in that criminal gang by buying their bonds, then don't be shocked if they go belly up someday. You know, if the uh, mob bosses decide they can't run it anymore or whatever. 855-450-FREE. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You take control. Hour two's next. A science fiction comic adventure from Big Head Press. Quantum Vibe. It's year Free Talk Live. We are launching into the second hour of the program. You can dial in toll-free if you like. Bring up whatever you want. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Mark. And that number is 855-450-FREE. It's brought to you by SACL, CAI, 1-855-450-3733. Coming up, Texas secession. According to one author at Business Insider, he thinks it's totally possible. And we'll give you some of the reasons as to why. But first, we go to Scott, listening in Arizona. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, I'm, I used to live in Florida, and now I'm in Arizona, and I'm really glad because I'm, I'm happy that I got away from the mosquitoes and the cockroaches and the plebiscites. The, the cockroaches <laughs> and the plebiscites? There yeah. are a lot of uh, ballot initiatives in Florida, and it can be pretty annoying. Do they not do that in Arizona, or is that just a joke? That was a joke on your on your <laughs> plebiscite thing. Yeah, very good. Um, 
plebiscites the, uh, are ballot initiatives that wear the clothing of other other types of ballot initiatives. So what else were you calling uh, about? Okay, so the reason that I'm calling is this is an issue that both of you will disagree with my position on. So what I want to do is lay out my my idea and, and get the whole thing out. Okay. And then you can go at it. Then All we'll right. go at it. All right. Um, we'll the, see how that works. Uh, there was a call on Saturday by a woman who was horrified that you could vote in New Hampshire without having to show ID. You you missed the call. The, the call. And the thing that I found really interesting, in my perspective, voting is an act of violence. And the reason that I say that is that the whole concept of why you vote is because you want to you have an idea and you want to force somebody else to have to accept whatever your idea is. No. Um, otherwise, no. it would just be a polite conversation. I'm going to have to so stop the you act- there uh, because that's not why I vote. I vote because I would like to not be forced to do things against my will. I understand. And that's why that's why I said I'd like to lay this whole okay. thing out because I know that you both disagree with me on this. Yep. So, so the thing that was interesting was that this woman who was horrified that you could uh, vote without showing ID. And when you challenged her on this, she seemed to be so concerned that, that maybe a person could go in and, and like, vote multiple times. I'm sure and, it happened that, in New Hampshire. And that really bothered her. And the thing that's really funny is what all that does is reveal the fact that voting by its nature is an act of force. I would say that it's a threat to people's way of life is probably more accurate because if I'm a Democrat and I want to see, you know, social programs for people who are, uh, you know, poor or something like that, or I'm a Republican who wants to see uh, social programs to, you know, make the military stronger so we can go and make ourselves safe across the world, then the other side doesn't want to do what I want to do. So it's essentially a, uh, you know, it's it's a tug of war game to get the golden gun and the Middle that uh, the 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 power of the government, this uh, monopoly uh, privilege on the use of, of force, um, that's what it what it is. It's sort of a tug back and forth. Well, I just I just found it interesting that the way when when she revealed how she was absolutely horrified that somebody could possibly vote twice. As soon as I heard that, this little light bulb went off in my mind, where to me that revealed the total. Uh, corruption, the total criminality of the concept of voting to force others to. Let me ask you this, Scott. Is it? So I just wanted to share that. I, I got well. you, and I think it's interesting, and I'm sure there's people out there that agree with you. I don't, and here's why. Um, now, is it okay to defend myself against violence? I, I know your argument, and I, you know you don't have to explain it to me. I I understand your argument, and there's there's something to be said for that. But the un- and I've and as I indicated to you elsewhere, the the underlying concept of voting, you're using it defensively, and and that's fine. But the underlying concept of voting for a political position is because you want to enforce your wishes upon other people. Right, so and that's why in your that's why that lady's threatened. 
I mean, that's absolutely why she's threatened. I mean, she's like the mugger that goes, the, 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 the schoolyard bully that goes and picks on the same kid every day and gets his lunch money. The next one day, a kid says, you know what? I'm not going to give it to you, and I'm going to punch you in the nose if you try to take it. Well, the bully is going to be, I mean, he's been doing this for three years. He's going to be horrified. That's his money. He counts on that. Well, that's only because because the only reason that the, that the that the bully can get away with that is because society accepts that voting is a valid means of. It's true. Of if you impact. could all of a sudden convince people that uh, the state was a terrible idea, then the state wouldn't really live much longer, wouldn't exist much longer. Uh, but unfortunately, but if you could that's not going to happen. Half of the people that uh, that that was the tr- that you know that was the truth, then you could just get the them to vote against the other half. Hey, thanks uh, Scott for the call tonight. I appreciate it. 855-450 free. Of course that's that one... presumes that voting uh, counts are accurate and that there isn't some sort of scamming going on. All right, 55% because I don't think that they can they can't throw it you know before this election they were talking about yeah. just remember back a week and a half ago they were saying Mitt Romney has purchased the voting uh, <laughs> you know computerized company he's going to throw the election and, I mean so the, apparently so the, not they were prepared for this yeah. but enough people voted for Barack Obama whether it was you know I don't know here's one thing's for certain there was corruption and uh, you know bad votes all over the United States. You know, I found out today, I posted over at freekeen.com, which is uh, my local blog here in Keene, New Hampshire. I uh, got an email from the city clerk today because I had inquired regarding the numbers in the vote total. I'd run for a state rep here as a libertarian versus two Democrats. There was no Republican in the race. And I was going through trying to do more of like an election recap because I initially posted, you know, right after the election, hey, I lost. Thanks for everybody that voted. Appreciate your support. And then I said I was going to get more details later. Well, I've been kind of collecting the numbers and running the numbers, and it just wasn't adding up. I was adding up the numbers of votes in my uh, race and then comparing it to the num- the total numbers of vo- uh, voters, and like it just wasn't right. Couldn't figure it out. And uh, I, so I wrote them, and I said, well, what am I missing here? Here's what I've got. I kind of laid out my numbers. And she wrote back and said, you know what? We looked into it, and our formulas were wrong on our spreadsheet. Uh, we were counting the absentee ballots in twice as the uh, total. So they, t- they doubled the number of absentee ballots and the total number of voters that they had. Mm-hmm. And then she said they also counted them double or something like that. So anyway, they ended up re- revising their number of. I've got her exact letter. At and you won. No, okay. uh, no, it didn't. It didn't change the number. It did not change the number of votes that any of the candidates received. Okay. What it changed was the number of total ballots cast. I see. So I was trying. To, I had. I had been adding up the total numbers of votes we had received and right. the, the total numbers of blanks, and it was. It was short. Just so wasn't was like, getting anywhere. Where yeah. I said, well, where are the extra thousand uh, votes here? And uh, that's when she wrote back. Yeah, we screwed up our our spreadsheet. And uh, thanks for pointing this out to us. Had you not pointed this out, had you not asked about the numbers, we would not have caught this error. And, and as a result it... of this error being caught, the total uh, percentage of voters, like, you know, every every election, one of the big numbers that they tout afterwards is, oh, so many percentage voted. And it was a lot. That, you know, it was 76%. Now it's 69%. So the total number of voters, it turned out, went down by almost 10%. And that's people registered to vote? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So instead of seventy six percent, it was actually sixty nine percent. That's nowhere near the. It's probably nowhere near the fifty percent. Not not. It's probably about fifty percent of the population. Maybe a little less because you have to have voted at at some point if you to, to be a registered voter. 
In New Hampshire. Uh, in New Hampshire, at least in Keene, when I checked it recent uh, the, of the last few years, it was a good majority, super majority of the adult population that were registered to vote. It's it's a yeah. higher registration it's percentage. All you here. have to do is have stumbled in at some point or another into a voting area and gotten yourself registered that way yep. because in New Hampshire it's very easy to get registered. Um, and this is one of the problems with fraud in New Hampshire is, is that you can vote. Uh, I mean, you could just keep on hitting polling places all over New Hampshire saying, hey, I just moved into town. Here's an address. Let me vote. <laughs> yeah, but it's also really nice to be able to register and vote on the same day. I think that's I, something that New Hampshire really has going for it. I think there's value to it, and I think that's, why you, that much fraud that's why you need to have a uh, license. You don't know how much fraud there is. There's no way to know. 855-450-FREE. Any system you put in place can be scammed, Mark. Indeed. one 855 This is Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Take control of the airwaves here at Free Talk Live. The number is 855-450-FREE. And that's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features we share with you there. And those features include archives. So if you've missed a moment of the show, no problem. You can just click and download, and they're yours for free. So head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy those on us. You know, with the uh, the recent... Uh, Hurricane Sandy or uh, Nor'easter or whatever you want to call it that uh, hit New Jersey and New York, a lot of people are thinking about being prepared for the next natural disaster. And a lot of people are thinking about being prepared for an economic disaster or a disaster created by you know some, of, some kind of government influence, uh, you know terrorist attack, that kind of thing. Lots of reasons why someone would want to be, have a certain level of preparation. I mean, we can see that these things happen and you want to be prepared for it. Now, lots of the prepper material out there, it's not really clear why you should be prepared. They just want you to be prepared. And, um, you know, maybe they've got some situation that just doesn't make much sense. And what you need is is you need a book that will tell you all the different ways that one – all the different situations that one can prepare for and the ways that you would need to prepare for them. Because otherwise you've just – you're worrying about things. You don't know exactly what you're worrying about. You can turn your worry and fear into confidence and peace with strategicsurvival.com. It's a book that we have here in the studio right now and it, it covers all kinds of different situations awesome book. It's a compendium. It's uh, well-sourced, and it'll give you specific information. By that, I mean products that you should buy, specific products already tested out, ones that work, uh, exercises and training that you can uh, do to, to practice and to add confidence and experience. It's strategicsurvival.com. I can't recommend it highly enough. Strategicsurvival.com. Let's go back to the phones and the fun. John, listening in Carson City, Nevada to LRN.FM. Hey, John. Hi, Ian. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, the other day, I think I heard you say something to the effect that you supported secession down to the level of the individual. Of course. Okay. Uh, how would you see that as differing from, from anarchy? 
well, I think that the, the term anarchy suggests no rules, and I fully believe that uh, people on private property should be able to set whatever rules that they would like. If you look at the news, um, anarchists are people that wear masks over their face and throw things that are on fire. Okay, well, let me. last night I was listening to an interview that uh, Stephanie did with Sheldon Richmond, Roderick Long, Gary Chartier, Charles Johnson. You okay. guys, you know most of those guys, right? I don't think I've ever met any of them, actually. Yeah, I've met them no, all. but I mean, have Hold you heard of them? Roderick Long, you didn't meet. He was at Porkfest last year. There Charles, was a thousand people Charles at Porkfest. Charles Johnston uh, was at uh, the, the Liberty Forum. Uh, I've seen one of you guys interview Hundreds Charles of Johnston people before. at uh, at Pork at uh, Liberty Forum. All right, fine. I know who these people are. Go ahead. Okay, well, they're all anarchists. You guys like the Mises Institute. It's chock full of anarchists from Lou Rockwell on down. Oh, I like a lot of people that call themselves anarchists, and we share a lot of but, values. But, well, you know, I mean, I, can, I don't think you can point to any any uh, le- intellectual leaders in the liberty movement who are anarchists, really, or not very many. Okay, so this is semantical uh, arguments over um, anarchism. Now, there was a man named Again. Murray Rothbard. And Murray Anarchist. Rothbard was probably a cen- was certainly a central figure in the freedom movement in the middle of the 20th century. He came up with an idea called um, anarcho-capitalism. Before him, this term would have never anarchist would have never been used to describe a libertarian. And he came up but with this. But now term- it's used to describe most of the libertarian intellectual leading lights. So oh, hold on. Is is what your goal is? Is just that I'm going to change my mind here because you've called in and pointed out that some people call themselves anarchists. Jump no, on the bandwagon, I'm, well, Mark. I'm asking, you to, I'm asking you to, you know, take into account that these are all very intelligent people Here's, using a word that they th- in, in what they think is an important way. Look, I'm not going to say I'm smarter than these people. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm smarter than these people. I'm just a talk show host. All right, it doesn't take a whole lot of uh, you know smarts to do that sort of thing. But I forget who it was. It was I think it was uh, in the market for liberty which was also written by some very smart people that probably would call themselves anarchists, uh, Morris and Linda Tannehill. Great book. Highly recommend it. You can get it free over at book. Uh, books.freetalklive.com. Anyway, in that book, they talk about how there have to be these intelligent you know, thinker folks, like the people you're naming, and that there also have to be the conveyor belts, the, the people that convey those ideas to average folk. And we're the conveyors. We're the ones that are the communicators of these ideas. And the ideas are sound. We have the same ideas as many of these you know, folks that you're talking about from the Mises Institute and these other smart thinking folks. But we know better than these academics that hang out in their halls of academia, cloistered off from the rest of, uh, of the world. We know how people see the word anarchist. And for me, that makes me very uncomfortable with labeling myself right. as that term. Right. It's, uh, it, you know, functionally, this term means young European people that set cars on fire. There's a reason I'm why. Not that. There's a reason why these guys are thinkers and not you know, great, uh, let's say, salesmen, right? They're not, they're not selling the ideas of liberty. They're just explaining them to people that are pretty much already on board uh, with, the, with the movement. So to me, it's all about public relations. It's about being able to communicate effectively. And I don't want to be associated with bomb throwers, and I don't want to be associated with, uh, you know, with that kind of side of what anarchism is. Now, I don't know any anarchists like that. Everybody that calls themselves an anarchist that I know is very peaceful, and they're friends of mine. And I like them I've very met much. Plenty of plenty of uh, anarchists that are just like that. Um, that will you know use what they call direct action, and direct action means you know to some extent violent acts. To you get said what they you've want. met them, but yes. are you friends with them today? Well, I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't
I wouldn't I wouldn't do a sleepover. Do you at their know house. those people in New Hampshire? I don't know those people. I don't th- well, just because they're not in New Hampshire doesn't mean I don't know. These them. are yeah. like old friends, is what you're saying. No, I'm talking about I've met people in the Liberty Movement that will use that term to describe themselves, and they're and, violent, and they advocate violence. Absolutely, well, they, they don't live they, around here. As far as I'm concerned, they're using the word properly. Okay, but those people don't live around here, at least not that I know of. And if they did, I wouldn't want to associate with them because I think that uh, you know having violence associated with your movement's a really bad thing, and essentially labeling yourself as anarchist just throws you into that camp and that's you know that's something i don't want to do well you know i think you guys take a lot of unpopular positions that aren't really marketable you know in today's society but that doesn't keep you from that doesn't keep you from taking those positions so we should take the position that you advocate because it fits your paradigm of what the vocabulary that you prefer to hear no, I'm saying I don't know why you're so obstinate in... in uh, because taking, it is grammatically uh, incorrect. I'm sorry, Murray Rothbard made a mistake, and a bunch of intelligent people are going along with that mistake. Anarchism... Well, well what is a Republican, Mark? I, I guess a Republican is a person who believes in a republic. So if so, those people who are called Republicans now, but don't believe in a republic, actually, which would be just about all of them, Probably. So they're not really Republicans. Fine. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't refuse to call them Republicans, though. I, I, you look, if, if they want to go ahead and, and call use themselves the, whatever they want. The, if you want to go ahead and use that. I, look, I don't refuse to call you or anybody else an anarchist if that's what you want to be called. However, you're not going to go around calling me a Republican or an anarchist unless I want to be called that. Wouldn't you it's agree? It's kind of weird that you guys have so many, so many anarchists on who you, you, know, who you obviously admire their ideas. And yet, you know, yeah, and you don't actually, when you're talking to them, you don't argue, you know, you don't oh, yes, ask I do. them why they call yes, themselves anarchists. Yes, we do. Anarchists. Every time somebody comes on just about and yes, uses the word anarchist, I will say anarchists are European people yeah. wearing black to throw bombs. I'll usually back right away from, uh, from associating with that term, yeah. no matter who the person is. Thanks, though, John. Appreciate it. More coming okay. up. This is Free Talk Live. You take control. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio, podcast, satellite, webcam, and our live streams. But did you know you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere? Add this number to your phone, 213-493-0308. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Listen Lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 213-493-0308. That's 213-493-0308. Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want here. 855-450-FREE. Even if you want to rake us across the coals, because we don't call ourselves the same things you call yourself. (laughs) 1-855-450-FREE. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian with you. And Mark. It's really frustrating when somebody doesn't use a term that you want to use the way you want to use it. Uh, My co-host on Sunday, Stephanie, calls herself a feminist. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't figure out what that means to her. And Have you asked her? Yes. And you still can't figure it no. out? No. I can't figure out what peaceful parenting is when the, uh, when the activists uh, you know, uh, you know, talk about that, too. So you know, I'm not surprised uh, that you know, there's just some concepts out there that seem to be a little too ambiguous for me. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating to try to deal with somebody and like, look. That's not what that word means. Mm-hmm. Um, capitalist is another one. Now, 
to me, what capitalist means is the same thing as a free market. But there are many people that believe entirely – you disagree. No, because a free market is is, (laughs) – you know that's just the lack of regulation you can have whatever kind of system or or organization that you want within that if i want to have a commune in a free market i can i believe that and that's that what capitalism means but I see i'm willing saying. to un, i'm willing to allow that other people believe that that means something else yeah. i can tell you that in my quaker meeting we you know i call it a church for the people that uh, don't understand what that what a quaker meeting is uh, in my church that there are people that are strongly against capitalism mm-hmm. but that they can accept and understand my ideas of freedom. So as long as I don't use this one loaded word that to them is the worst thing in the world. Right. Then I then they can, you accept, can talk to them. I can I, they can accept my ideas and right. we can communicate. And ultimately, that's the purpose of words. That's the purpose of what I do here and I'm a wordsmith. I'm not trying to twist the meaning of words or anything like that. I don't believe that. Now, I, I guess I am twisting the meaning when it comes to capitalists uh, because I really do believe that capitalism means a free market. But I'm not twisting the uh, meaning of words when it comes to anarchists because I really don't believe that that's what anarchist but means. Your beliefs I've been don't... an anarchist and that was back in high school and that was an entirely different thought process. So words have meanings, right? And they're sort of classical meanings and then those meanings can change over time. Sure, gay so, is a good re- is a good one. Sure, uh, fag that's another one. Yep. It used to mean cigarette, and I guess or a technically bunch of still does. Right, so technically these things still mean what they originally meant, but they also but mean. But if you run around calling things. some uh, asking for a fag, you're well, right. I guess, yeah, fag. Um, usually you can do that in uh, in Great Britain, and I guess right. that they'll they'll give it to you, but. But, Call somebody gay and it might be a problem. Yeah. And so th- these words have changed over time. And being cognizant of those changes is important to being uh, able to efficiently and effectively communicate with other human beings. And if or you don't. You could just try to twist the world to what you believe it should be. <laughs> well, Mark, after all, all the smart people are using the term anarchist, so we should just all do that. I, I'm, because- you know, I'm not going to make. I, I'm not going to belittle what. Uh, was it John? I think so. I think so, too. Um, what John was saying in that area, I get we've had Roderick Long on, and you're, and he's right in the area that if we interview people at like the Porcupine Freedom Festival or at the Liberty Forum, that we don't have time with one guest that's on for one segment yeah. to uh, you know address these well, issues. Right. I'm not going to sit there and call out all the anarchists all night long. That would be really un- uninteresting. It, indeed. But and it, that's not why they're there to talk so to us. I think he's right when he's talking about those types of interviews, but just about any other type of interview, we're going to have that uh, that particular conversation. And those are just different sorts of shows in those evenings. And I, I, you know, like I get it. If that's the term that he wants to use for himself, I understand it when he says it. I know what he means when he says it. But I find it to be a a grammatically incorrect term and be a really poor way to communicate what I want to say. I was in a room at one point when a friend of mine was saying make, making the statement that uh, you know they were a libertarian. In fact, they were so libertarian that they were an anarchist to someone else and that person said, "Anarchist? Well, order's good." Immediately, mm. they conflated anarchy with, with the disorder. term chaos or disorder that's what it means that is the popular definition yes you may be able to get some academics that understand but i can tell you that we had on i'm trying to remember her last name uh the author of oh shoot civil the civil disobedience book um that that we had on her name was erica goldstein no No. it wasn't um we're gonna have to look it up uh chenoweth 
Chenoweth. Very good. On the uh, the guest page there, I was going to say, you can probably find it at guest.freetalklive.com. And uh, here are the, the – but I had spoken to her on the phone and trying to, to create some kind of uh, understanding for what our philosophies were before she came on the show. I said, do you know what an anarcho-capitalist is? Now, this is a woman who has made a career of studying civil disobedience around the world. She's a political science major professor type. Mm. She said no. Yep. Okay, so maybe there is a tiny sliver of a segment of people that understand what you mean when you say anarchist. But this is by no means, not even in the academic fields, is this broadly understood. Do you want to be an effective communicator or do you want to be a libertarian macho flash? Because ultimately that's something on fire. (laughs) Right. Ultimately, that's what, you know, labeling yourself as anarchist is. And I get it, man. I mean, I've been there. I, you know, I know what it's like to want to do the macho flash thing. I I get it. The macho flash is, is, you know, look how tough I am. Look how libertarian I am. Look at that. Look at me. Look, I'm a, I'm an anarchist. And it has that kind of, you know, badass feel to it, right? That's because people blow stuff up. They right. call themselves anarchists. The same with pirate, right? Like everybody loves pirates. They love watching movies about them. But those guys were raping people and pillaging, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, but but at this point, pirate, the flag's cool looking. Pirates uh, have a lot of you know, the, 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 you know, people like pirates. There's Johnny Sparrow or yeah. whatever, Captain Jack Sparrow out there. We're the anarchist heroes. Like, yeah. No, I'm sorry, they're just not there. It's <laughs> just not there. Let's go to Cole. He's in Austin, Texas. Uh, Cole, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys, uh, great show. Hey Cole, what's on your mind tonight? Well, uh, I just wanted to comment on you know how the how different words can mean different things to different people. And, um, you know, that you share a common language, but that doesn't necessarily mean the thought that you have about that word right. necessarily resonates the same. And uh, there's a great book I read on this. Uh, well, it just kind of touches on it. It's not really about it. It's called Language and Thought in Action. And the author is uh, S.I. Hayakawa uh, and uh, Alan Hayakawa. Um, <clears throat> uh, where they come from is they're, they're not... English is not their first language, and uh, so they kind of take a um, a journey through what language means to the individual. Neat. Okay. Very so what do you think about it? I mean, the what? the whole issue of anarchist. Well, uh, I, I kind of think of myself as a libertarian, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think that, you know, I can accept or reject certain rules imposed on me as long as you can kind of stay under the radar with them. Well, right, I, think but, that's, uh, I think that's moral, yeah. And to, to me, I don't believe anybody's an anarchist. I believe what you have is socialists or communists posing as anarchists, mm-hmm. and you have libertarians posing as anarchists, because it's this fun word. But if you start talking to these people, um, I, I think that libertarians have a better claim on the term, because what they want to do is they want to create the opportunity for people to uh, you know, choose which governments that they have. Um, but you know, ultimately, they're really asking for their own governments anyway well it's cool to be against something that's bad right i mean that's kind of what the the whole vision of anarchism is at least from the liberty perspective but another big reason why i'm not interested in using that term is because i like to define myself by what i'm for not by what i'm against so when i talk about being a voluntarist i'm for human interaction being on a consensual basis that's way more positive statement than saying i'm against government you know, that's well, right. Go ahead. You're, you're going to you're going to gather more people of like mind if you take that approach too. exactly. Cole, any other thoughts you want to share tonight? 
Well, I called back uh, a while ago about uh, refusing to take an an- or re- refusing to take a flu vaccine because I had a bad experience in the army with the anthrax vaccine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess this kind of goes on that topic. You know, a vaccine means different things to different people, and uh, just you know, it's got to come from, from your rules. And if you're moral, you know, and that's that's up to degrees of, of interpretation as well. But Yep. We're kind of losing your connection, Cole. I appreciate uh, hearing from you. It's fading out a little bit. I appreciate hearing from you. The call back another night, though. We'll talk to you then. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I'm interested in hearing uh, more about what's going on down there in Austin as well. So I was going to ask him about that. Had his connection stayed good. But more coming up with you and your calls. It's Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. It's my firm belief that Free Talk Live's AMP program is the best use of your charitable dollar among liberty-oriented organizations. Support all the organizations you love. But make sure you give five bucks a month to AMP at amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live, toll-free number for you, 855-450-FREE, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features. We give them away. So once again, freetalklive.com. Hey, if you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, would invite you to become an amplifier. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And you can uh, go and get signed up there with any major credit card. As well as some alternative options, uh, we got any major credit card through PayPal, Visa, or MasterCard right on our website. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. We take that five bucks a month in, and we invest it into Free Talk Live, getting on more radio stations so we can talk to people about the ideas of liberty. And yes, that does mean that some of the ideas might be frightening to people, but at least we won't scare them off on the basis of what we call ourselves <laughs> right up front before they even have a chance to listen to the ideas. Uh, so if you support what we're doing here and you want to hear more of it, uh, then by all means, become an amplifier. You'll get perks like access to the Amp Only call-in lines, the Amp Only podcast, forum, and more. Get the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. On this evening's Edgington Post, you can go to soundcloud.freetalklive.com and download it right now. It uh, should be the top thing on the website at this point, but it'll work its way down uh, as time goes by. I interviewed Frederick Graves, who is the creator of howtowininincourt.com. Now, howtowininincourt.com is the new and improved jurisdictionary. If you've heard us talking about jurisdictionary in the past, it is a course that teaches you, unlike Pretty much any other course out there, um, you know, for, uh, Mr. Graves uh, claimed, Dr. Graves claimed that, uh, you know, that this was the only course that, uh, that that taught this stuff. And I believe him. Um, it is, you know, it teaches you how to the rules of court and how to how to get evidence and do all the things, make motions, all the things that one needs to do in court until you know the rules in court. There's you just don't have a chance. You have a snowball's chance in hell of winning. It works for plaintiffs or defendants in civil or criminal matters in state or federal courts. And you can go get it. And it's written so easily that the average eighth grader can learn it in a weekend. Like I said, you can go get it at howtowinincourt.com. It's their brand new website. There's all kinds of free tools there. Go use those tools. Buy the course. It costs less than an hour with any good attorney. 
howtowinincourt.com. You know, I, uh, we're going to continue with your calls here, but I wonder, Mark, if we had called ourselves anarchists on this program, do you think the voluntarists would be calling in to try to recruit us to, to use, use our term? You should be calling yourselves voluntarists. I'm not entirely sure that I'm all on board with the term voluntarist either because I don't know that it's that great of a term. Uh, but that's I, the one I prefer. I, I like neo-abolitionist. That's a good one. I mean, it's, it's against something as opposed to for something. Yeah. I think it's interesting, but it doesn't really mean anything either. It's just a kind of meaningless word. But I would like to say that I understand why somebody might use the term anarchist. Like, for instance, if you're a you know well-kept middle-aged guy and you say to your you know friends uh, around a, a beer at the uh, sports bar or something like that you know one of them says well i'm a republican the other one says i'm a democrat and you say well i'm an anarchist you can create a conversation around but that's that. only if they're already your friends is what you're saying right that ties into what michael sansone on facebook said because you'd ask the question mark uh, via facebook and twitter uh, which I think is a really good question. Is there any good reason why Ian and I should claim to be anarchists rather than voluntarists? Michael Sansone says, badass points. He's just kidding with that point. But he says, actually, I change my labels depending on the audience. With the mainliners, I'm a libertarian. With those who kind of identify as libertarian, I'll go voluntarist or anarchist. It really depends on who needs clarification or who doesn't. And for me, uh, even if I'm with anarchists, you know, like maybe I'm with some uh, anarcho-commies, for instance, I'll call myself a voluntarist with those people simply because it doesn't have baggage attached to it. It is a term that people don't understand, and that gives me the opportunity to define it for them. Well, a voluntarist, what's that? Well, it's pretty simple. It means I believe all human interaction should be based on consent. Who could disagree with that? Right. I use this terminology. I've used this terminology many times, and no one has anything to say but something like, cool. Hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's nice. I mean, you know, at no point do I get... That guy's reasonable. Order's good, yeah. you know? Yeah. Let's go to Emberly. She's in New Hampshire, listening to LRN.FM. Hey, Emberly. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your mind hey, tonight? I, hey, I just um, wanted to comment on the whole anarchist versus uh, voluntarist message, you know, the use of a usage of words. I understand, you know, I call myself an anarchist when I'm with people that I know understand that word. And when I am, you know, talking to people who I know won't understand that word or, you know, our, our status in general, you know, Republicans or Democrats or whatever, you know, I will use the term voluntarist because I think that's a much better word to use with people. It sounds friendlier. It, it does. It really does, and, it, and it's got a much more positive message. So I agree with with you guys about that. And and I don't understand why the uh, gentleman called in to argue with you about why it's this. You, uh, you know, they want us to well, join the club. So oh, we can count Ian and Mark as the anarchist talk show hosts, or you know, we're they're on our side. Uh, it's that kind of thing. I don't know if I. It's necessarily... like the chemtrail people calling I, in trying to get us to believe in chemtrails. I'm not going to propose to know the reason that uh, John called in with that, but I'm going to going to assume that he called in because he finds it important. Right. Well, you know, words words are important and they have meaning. Right. And you know, when I do, when I do, when I'm trying to get to know someone, you know, and then I will, after a while, I will bring up that I'm an anarchist and then explain to them what that means. But I don't automatically go with, you know, hey, my name is Emberly, I'm an anarchist, and you should do this because, you know, or I want you to join my group, blah, 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 call yourself this. I believe that people can call themselves what they want. 
And, sure. you know, Mark, I noticed that you did call yourself a neo-abolitionist, and I actually had to look into that to figure out what exactly what that meant. So I'm it, glad you that we're using different terms to define our political beliefs. It's important. I mean, these terms, new terms, get people thinking, whereas these old terms, if people have already thought about them, then they're just going to slough it off. Well, right. he's an anarchist. With, a, with, a, with the term neo-abolitionist, what I like about it is is that I believe that slavery is essentially a lesser form, excuse me, that uh, citizenship is a lesser form of slavery. Mm. And if you, yeah. you know, with, with that term, you can get people talking about it like, like abolitionist, who's a slave? Yeah. I mean, of course, nobody's against the idea of an abolitionist if they know what the term means. Right. Some people may not have studied, may not have paid attention in uh, eighth grade history, but um, if they know what that term means, obviously they don't have any ill feelings towards it. Whereas, right. you know, with the term anarchist, well, they right. got ill feelings. And I, uh, and I wanted to say, uh, you know, thank you to you guys for supporting the tragedyandhope.com group um, with their John Taylor Gatto video. Um, I think that's great, and that video is so full of fantastic information. I mean, chock full. The five hours is just chock, chock full of great information, and they do talk about, you know, debt slaves and and the way things are today and how we're all waging debt slaves. So, I, you know, I'm going to try to promote that as much as I can, and I'm so glad that you guys are doing that. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I really liked about the the video is, is you've got this great individual, John Taylor Gatto, who has done so much work in the area of uh, public education and, uh, you know, written so, so many books in this area. And it was an opportunity for some people to come in, um, really respect him and his work do some, uh, you know, this was a lot of it. This is a lot of video that's available. This is by no means a YouTube video of two minutes long that, that you know, talks about his work. This is him. Uh, you it's know, exhaustive. Yeah, it's exhaustive. And there's no doubt about it. And uh, yeah, obviously, some people are going to take some things from it. Other people are going to take other things from it. But I found it to be intriguing. It's online for free, by the way. It's the way called through. The Ultimate History Lesson. Yeah, The Ultimate History Lesson. But you can go to freetalklive.com, look for you know, scroll down the uh, right-hand side, look for John Taylor Gatto's picture. He's an older man with white hair. And uh, click on that, and you can get the uh, the set. It's not costly, and you'll you'll have it yeah. in possession. Yes. It's great. I su- highly suggest that everyone, you know, get it and watch it. Share it with your friends. You know, I, I got the video from the uh, Keen Activist Center. Oh, good. I put it over there. <laughs> it's good to know. Yeah, thank you, Ian, for doing that. That's fantastic. And I want to share it with... Uh, you know, as many people as I can, the ideas. Fantastic. So hey, Emberly, speaking of sharing ideas, what's your website for your radio show, Voluntary Values? It's voluntaryvalues.com. Perfect. Folks can go and check out more of you there, and I appreciate your call tonight. Thank you. Notice she didn't call her show Anarchist Awesome Show or something ridiculous <laughs> like that. Voluntary Values, very uh, kind-sounding, very, you know, let's reach out to the community instead of burning buildings down. Let's create something, you know, something voluntary. I'm not going to say that I don't think that there's some purpose for using that term anarchist. Like I said, you can reach out to friends in a quiet conversation about what your thoughts are with that term. I guess. I've never done it. Um, but, um, you know, you can probably reach out to some other anarchists if you if you want to take the tiniest sliver of the tiniest uh, demographic out there and reach out to them and bring the ideas of liberty on board with them. But I think a lot of people did that with the Occupy movement. There's more coming up and plenty of time for you and your thoughts. 855-450-FREE. Hey, we still haven't gotten to the reasons why Texas can secede, at least according to Business Insider. We'll share that with you here in moments. Take your calls about anything. Free Talk Live. 
The successes are piling up and proving the Free State Project is a real movement and no longer just a great idea. When you're planning your move to New Hampshire, consider Keene. Keene is famous for its civil disobedience and non-cooperation, and there's plenty of political opportunity as well. Though it's more than just activism, with regular social events each week. See what's happening at freekeen.com and get connected with video, audio, one of the busiest Liberty Forums in New Hampshire, and more at freekeen.com. That's freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything you want as we launch here into the third hour of the program. Toll-free number is 855-450-FREE. With you in studio, it's Ian. And Mark. And 1-855-450-3733. Again, allows you to take control and bring up whatever's on your mind. That's the point of the show. It's why we call it Free Talk Live. Because you're free to call in, talk about anything you want. And the show's live all seven nights per week from 7 to 10 at night Eastern Time. If you're hearing us at a different time, it means your local station or XM or wherever it is you're listening is delaying the show. So if you uh, want to call in and participate, you have to call between 7 and 10 at night Eastern time, and then we'll be happy to talk to you about anything you like. So um, Texas secession, I've been kind of teasing this all night long, and then coming up some excerpts from Ron Paul's farewell speech. Uh, We'll share those with you. But Texas uh, secession, there's a story over at businessinsider.com where one man says he knows, Bob Smiley is the author, he says he thinks Texas could pull this thing off. And he then goes down. Well, a- I'll tell you, I listened on NPR today um, ab- about this, and mm-hmm. they were. It was uh, I can't remember what the name of the show is. I listened to it. It's the one with Kai Rizdal that's on Money that comes on at six p.m. every day. Um, but uh, some people are screaming at their uh, radios right now, answering my question. Um, they the the guy the the expert that they brought on there basically said the only state that could do this is Texas. And well, it, I think that's preposterous because well, the reason any he state quoted, can do it. The reason he quoted was is they have their own energy grid that's going to be in here. Let and, me get to and I think that that's interesting. Yeah. But does Luxembourg have its own energy right. grid? I mean, the idea that the other states couldn't do it. Is ridiculous because look at the sizes of the countries around the world. You know, physical size is not a factor as to whether or not something can have its own, you know, nationhood or whatever. And I'm against the idea of nations in general, but I support the idea of having more choices in the marketplace rather than fewer uh, choices. And having more countries uh, in which to live is a better thing than having, you know, this monolithic federal government that we have. But let me go to, maybe it's the same guy they had on. Uh, This is, uh, again, the guy from businessinsider.com. Here goes down the list of reasons why he thinks Texas can do this. Resources. Texas currently sits on one quarter of the nation's oil reserves and one third of the nation's natural gas reserves. Even more, fully 95% of the country receives its oil and gas courtesy of pipelines that originate within Texas. That's what one might call leverage, he says. The Texas economy, this is well documented but worth repeating, in the last decade, even with the Great Recession, Texas has expanded by one million jobs. That's more than every other state combined. Because of its friendly business climate, Texas is home to more Fortune 500 companies than anywhere else. If Texas were its own country, it would have the 10th highest GDP in the world. 10th? I thought it was in the, uh, the teens. Canada would be number 11. 
Or think about it this way. Wow, Texas has a bigger economy than Canada's. Yep. For every dollar Texas taxpayers send to Washington, they currently get only about 80 cents back. Theoretically, they could transfer those funds to the state's coffers and still give every Texan a 20% tax cut. And let's not forget that the federal government is creating money out of thin air. Yeah. Um, so they're, you know, when you get 80 cents back, um, you know, many many states are getting more than what they put in. In it's not that they're taking the state money, putting it all in a pot, and then writing checks out of it. They've got all kinds of bureaucracy that sits on top of that, and they get paid very, very well. It's the extra money that they get through the creation of money. Utilities. Texas is the only state with its own power grid. Developed over the course of the last hundred years, the Texas grid covers the majority of the state and is fully state controlled. Translation. Texans could rest assured that the federal government doesn't have the power, literally, to turn off their lights. Defense. While no match for Uncle Sam's firepowers, Texas does have a significant defense presence, namely the Texas State Guard, which answers only to the governor, the Texas National Guard, the Air Guard, and the legendary Texas Rangers. Texas is also home to two of the nation's largest military bases, Fort Hood and Fort Bliss, and being able to control those two installations is nothing to sniff at. Which, of course, is always going to be a sticking uh, point on right. the United States. This United States government believes that those uh, military bases belong to it. Right. And the U.S. does have Guantanamo Bay in Cuba, so maybe they could still have their military bases right. in Texas and Texas could is, secede. And, and this is really the point is, is that, you know, what you do in these circumstances is you attempt to work it out. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't do like you know, the folks, the, the you know, the, the trigger happy you don't start shooting south did. And um, when, you know, they kept on resupplying Fort Sumter out mm-hmm. there in the off the coast of uh, South Carolina, you don't fire on the fort. Right. Now, I don't know whether they fired or not. Some people would claim that they didn't. Yeah, maybe it was a false flag. It could be. Who knows? Um, you know, this far in history, we, people can look much more reasonably at whether or not it would be a false flag or not. But there are a lot of people studying this particular form of history, and it is not commonly accepted that it was a false flag. And I can understand why somebody would want to fire. I can understand why the Cubans would want to fire on Guantanamo. I get it. So he says being able to control those two installations is nothing to sniff at, but let's not forget the firepower of the citizenry itself. There's a reason burglars don't waste their time in Texas, because presumably they've, they're all right on guns uh, down there. They've got plenty of crime down there. Well, I don't know what he's talking about, Mark. I imagine that you know Texas kind of has that you-can-own-a-gun feel to it. Yeah, I, don't know. Yeah. I don't know what their laws are. but There's lots of crim- crime in Texas, though. Yeah. Well, it doesn't hurt to be able to have guns so you can protect yourself uh, from those criminals Agreed. if they do strike. T- uh, history. Texas has done this before, twice, actually. First in 1836, when it seceded from Mexico and became an independent country. But it wanted very – it basically wanted to be a country – it didn't want to be an independent country. That wasn't its goal. It wanted to be part of the United States. Second, in 1861, when it joined the Confederacy, and while the South did lose the Civil War, it didn't lose it in Texas. In fact, by the end of 1864, the North didn't have one square foot of Texas soil under its control despite many attempts. Even a full month after Robert E. Lee surrendered at the Epitomics Courthouse, Texas – was still fighting. Texans love their state, and they love a fight. That's a lethal combination. Right. Well, I don't support that particular... I mean, look, if Texans want to be free, they're not going to be able to fight their way free. I tend to agree with you. I think that uh, any secession attempts must be peaceful, and uh, if you you know try to take on the U.S. military, yep. even as Texas, you're going to have a tough time. Yeah, you're, and it, I don't care what military base you have. Um, 
you're not going to be able to fight what they've got flying out of South Dakota and uh, these, you know, you're not going to be able to fight the B-52s. Still, all this leads us back to a legal question. Can they do it? Texas lore claims the permission to secede is woven into the state's founding documents. Well, yes and no. The Texas Annexation Agreement of of 1845 does say that the state has the right to split into as many as five separate states, should it so choose. Would that make, uh, and he says, and the Texas Constitution does say that the maintenance of our free institutions and the perpetuity of the union depend on the preservation, or the preservation, rather, of the right of local self-government unimpaired to all the states. But there is no get-out-of-jail-free card. The counter-argument, of course, is that Texas doesn't need to look to its own history. It can look to America's. After all, didn't America secede, as it were, from Great Britain? Right. And, and this, is a, this is a great question. If the states had the right to secede uh, from Great Britain, don't they have the right to secede if they joined, of their own volition, the follows. United States government? It now, follows. as I understand, uh, Rhode Island was actually uh, coerced into the signing of the Constitution. Huh. Doesn't the first line, he asks, of our own Declaration of Independence defend a people's God-given right to assume their own separate and equal station under the law? Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Good article from businessinsider.com. Let's go to the phones and you and your thoughts. Abel is in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Good to speak with you again. Hey, um, just, Just one kind of different take on the whole... Uh, anarchy, you know, discussion. And that is, uh, I, I think the concern is that powerful people, you know, they, they have control of the media. I mean, if you go back to what Arky is, is king, okay? And we have no king. I mean, I don't think that that's actually a negative thing. No what? I think. What, what's the word? That, that anarchy means no king. No, no king. No ruler. No rulers. No ruler. No, you know, no dictator. No no bad guy with a gun pointing it at you. And I think that that's a, that's a good thing. And the fact is, is that, that the pollution of these terms is actually driven, you know, by, by media that's controlled by the powerful. Stand by. Powerful we'll come back with that here in a moment. You can continue your thoughts at 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Free Talk Live. Bring up anything you want here. Toll free, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. And joining you in studio, it's Ian here. And Mark. We invite you to our website. Head to freetalklive.com. Enjoy the features you find there, including our Shrine of Female Listeners. And actually, we have a brand new member on that shrine. You can go and see her for yourself at Shrine dot freetalklive.com if you're a lady listener you can get details there at the top of the page as to how you can become part of said shrines once again shrine.freetalklive.com and uh, lauren is our newest shriner she is in the validated section uh, validated means that the person in the, the picture has proven 
that she listens to the show. And it's interesting that over time, you know, we get different uh, ways of the ladies are validating themselves. And it's kind of just neat to see what they come up with. Uh, This uh, Lauren, in this case, uh, one of a few Laurens on our list. Uh, Lauren has herself standing by her television set where she has our webcam blown up to the full size of the 50 inches or whatever her TV (laughs) set is. So she's in at shrine.freetalklive.com. Uh, you know, a lot of people will tell you that mortgage rates are at a, a historic low, and this is a true statement, but we've heard it so often in the last five or six years that it's getting a little passe. You really need to look at what these mortgage rates are. They are at historic lows. You can get rates that are incredible, incredible would have been considered incredible five years ago when they were talking about historically low rates. And I predict, this is my belief, is is that you're going to see some kind of uh, inflationary uh, issue coming up with the United States currency. That means that insurance rates are going to have to go up. They'll necessarily have to go up. And so the the smart money, it seems to me, is on fixed rates. If you've got one of these adjustable rates out there, you, Bad news. Pr- you probably have already gotten it fixed or whatever. But um, if you haven't, it's re- really, you need to look at a fixed rate. Um, also, you can lower your payment by getting a fixed rate. I mean, like, who wouldn't want to do that? Um, there's also you need to consider that the 30-year fixed rate has a great deal of interest built into it. Whereas if you look at a 20-year, 15-year, or 10-year, you can see you can pay off your your mortgage much more quickly. And that you know the extra money, you'll, you know what you do with extra money. It'll be a good thing for you. Um, you can also wrap in debt if you have to at a much lower rate. If you've got some credit card at 12% and the mortgage is coming in at 3.5% or something like that, it may make some sense to wrap the debt in. Um, you can give. You can go to mortgageminuteguide.com to uh, to check into these deals. They do loans in all fifty states. It's Roger Schlesinger. We've worked with him in the past. Mortgageminuteguide.com and his telephone number is eight six six two eight eight zero zero eight eight. It's really easy. There's just a bunch of repeated numbers there. Eight six six two eight eight zero zero eight eight. All right, let's go to the phones and go back to Abel. He's in New Hampshire. Uh, Abel, please continue with your thoughts. You were talking about the mainstream media and words and how they they're spun. Right, right, exactly. I, you know, I, I think it's in the interest of people who want to retain power to make all words that refer to taking away their power to be, you know, evil in some way, and that's what's happened to to anarchists. I think, although I know there have been people who claim to be anarchists that are destroying things. And I don't see how there is a relationship between not wanting somebody to point a gun at you and tell you what to do. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, it seems to me that, 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 that it's the opposite of, of destructo bots that I like to call them out there. Yeah, uh, I, I get that what you're we, saying, but I bet if you I don't talk know to... when when this time in history the anarchist was a good term. I mean, anarchists shot McKinley back in the was it early nineteen early twentieth century? Maybe it was the late nineteenth century. I'd have to go look. I think it was early twentieth. Uh, I mean, anarchist has never really been considered a good term. It's not like you're reclaiming it if you manage to reclaim it. I think you'd just be claiming it. I so so you're saying that the original definition was. Uh, 
you know, bomb throwing. No, no. I, I would say that people that came up with this terminology very early on were likely just communists that wanted a better term. Uh, they wanted, you know, anarcho-syndicalists, they would have called themselves, which were people that wanted to create their own little uh, city-states and things like that. Uh, they didn't. They weren't using the term properly either. But if, if you carry my premise a little bit further, I think what we end up have doing as a, as, as a liberty movement uh, is you know chasing the new t- terminology going down the road because the old terminology has been polluted, right? And it has been polluted. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah. Well, okay. I don't agree with the assessment that we're we're always chasing some new term. Uh, I mean, uh, when you say chasing, it makes it sound like we're giving up, uh, a, you know, a new word every three months, and we're claiming a new term every you know very often. Um, sorry, that's just not the case. I mean, I'm a voluntarist, and thus far we haven't had a problem with voluntarists going out and tossing firebombs at anything or breaking any storefront windows. So that term doesn't have the baggage that uh, that anarchist does, and I don't know if it will anytime soon. And if it ever does have, uh, you know, does become you know baggage laden, uh, which probably will take you know a decade or so or more. You know, who knows how long that would take. Uh, if it actually does become baggage-laden, maybe then I'll consider finding some, some new way to describe myself, or maybe by then I'll already be describing myself in some new way. So, I, you know, I really don't consider that much of a concern. I, ideally, we'll, uh, we'll hit a tipping point where, you know, we get to uh, control the, the meanings of our own terms. And uh, Well, there you go. And, uh, <laughs> well, right, you know, and, and we should be because we can. We now have the ability to control the media, uh, and what I mean by that is by creating our own media. The you know the gatekeepers of the old ways are on the way out. They still exist to some extent, but they're nowhere near as uh, powerful or as in control as they used to be. You know, if your local uh, television station isn't airing the content that you want, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, and who really watches broadcast television anymore anyway? Heck, for that matter, who watches cable uh, news? You know, nobody watches, nobody gets their news via cable news in comparison to, you know, how people get news, say, by uh, internet or radio, for instance. Uh, you know, the people that watch these cable news networks are a very small, small, small portion of this country. Maybe, you know, one one hundredth of uh, the population. Anyway, thanks, Abel, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. I mean, I may be a little underestimating, but I, I know I've seen the, the numbers, like the radio trade publications that we get. Uh, they'll point out, to, to compare radio to TV, for instance, they'll point out, you know, like a, a news talk radio station in a big market has several times the amount of audience that, say, uh, a Larry King might have had when he was big back in the day or or Bill O'Reilly might have today or someone like that. You know, they might have half a million viewers, whereas a radio station may have in one market. And I don't, when I say a, a half a million viewers, I mean nationwide. Not just in one market. In one market, you can have a radio station with a few million, you know, a couple million listeners. Yeah, or, I've always heard this, and I've never been able to compare it. That's not accurate. The, but radio is a far more efficient way to transmit your message as far as dollars and cents go. Mm-hmm. You know, some people may claim that uh, flashing pictures are much more convincing, and I don't know. I wouldn't be able to claim that. But if you just want to touch people with your message, um, that you can do it far more cheaply and reach far more people with radio. And if you want to advertise on Free Talk Live, get in touch with Mark at Mark at freetalklive.com. 855-450-FREE. That's the toll-free number. You can bring up what you want. 
Coming up, Ron Paul says goodbye. It's Free Talk Live. The three most important things you can do for Free Talk Live are, one, share one episode a week on Facebook or in some other social networking site. Two, buy the things you buy online through shop.freetalklive.com. Three, give five bucks a month to the AMP program. You like your friends. You like Free Talk Live. Like your friends enough to share something you like with them. Help Free Talk Live get into more ears. Podcast listeners are the most important area of growth for Free Talk Live. Please share one episode a week on Facebook. Eight fifty-five, four fifty-three. That is the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. Free Talk Live is an interactive program. You can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. And we have an interactive website where you can go to, to freetalklive.com. You can uh, link to, I guess it's, uh, yeah, link to, link to is the right word. Link to news stories or blog posts or videos or whatever you want to there. And other people have done the same. You can vote up theirs. They can vote up yours. That's what we do. It's Free Talk Live and it's all about the listener. Free call, uh, freetalklive.com, actually. 855-450-FREE, the toll-free number here. So, Ron Paul? saying goodbye in a 48 minute long speech <laughs> he deserved that amount of time i i think i mean you know putting up with all that crap in washington dc for all those years they deserve to listen to him for 48 minutes and thankfully uh michael w dean he's been on a lot by the way a lot of news sto- stories news shows recently talking about the fiscal cliff okay um you know the fiscal cliff is big in the news now that the president has won and essentially every people have voted for gridlock in washington dc um which you know that they, that's what they've got if they didn't vote for it, and people are talking about the fiscal cliff again. And Ron Paul has been essentially the go-to guy for these news uh, places on good this stuff. So maybe he's saying, that's what he can turn himself into now, like a yeah. real popular talking pundit. head pundit. Yeah, he uh, he's not saying that we're heading towards the fiscal cliff. He's saying that we're over it and we just haven't hit yet. <laughs> we're falling. That's what he's saying, and yeah. I think that it's a pretty apt description. Yeah, well, you leave it to Ron Paul to put it in, uh, you know, put an issue into terms people can understand and uh, and grasp. So, according to Michael W. Dean over at FreedomFiends.com, he uh, comments on the Ron Paul farewell address that he gives in front of Congress. And he points out uh, that uh, he and his partner Nima at FreedomFiends.com have been predicting that after Ron Paul finished with politics, he would come out as a full-on anarcho-capitalist and... Once again, to rehash the term. That. Uh, he then says that Ron Paul was an important path for liberty for many people, including myself. He brought me to constitutionalism. Then he and others took me beyond that to knowing that no piece of paper grants or even enforces rights and all that government is immoral. Uh, seems like there's a word missing there. Anyway, seems ironic that a government employee could teach us that. But hey, Ron Swanson helped with my journey, too. Uh, do you know who Ron Swanson is? No. He is the fictional character uh, in a show called Parks and Recreation. I've seen <laughs> a couple seasons of the show, and it's pretty funny. Uh, he's a libertarian who works for the government. Yeah. And so There's they, a lot of them. But but they you know he's Thank out as a libertarian on the show, and they kind of take him to a, an extreme, and he's, he's funny. They yeah. do a good job with it. Anyway, check out Ron Paul's farewell speech from the floor of Congress. You can look it up, I believe, on YouTube. He says, I'm surprised they gave him 48 minutes, but they probably figured if we let him do this, we'll never have to hear him again, and maybe some of his fans will vote for us next time. It's an awesome and beautiful speech, and he uses the word, wait for it, 
Take a guess. Voluntarism. He uses voluntarism, not anarchist. Now, he uses voluntarism, by the way. Um, he's used that in, the, in his, uh, his campaign. I mean, this isn't the first yeah, time. Yeah, he said, I like voluntarism it. during yeah, his campaign. Sure, he said that uh, several times. Now, before we get to Ron, Qua- uh, Ron Paul's excerpts here, because it's a long speech, there's no way we could read it, the whole thing for you. Uh, but I think it's interesting. This ties back into our discussion from earlier tonight. Why would Ron Paul choose, if he's an anarchist, as uh, is being suggested here, why would he choose voluntarist? Well, because he has uh, multiple people listening to him, you know, multitudes of people listening to him, legions of people listening to them, and they don't all understand the word that he's using. The sad part right. about the liberty community is, is it's a bit of an echo chamber. There's so many uh, media sources out there, and everybody understands these words, anarcho-capitalist, which, by the way, in, in my opinion, is taking two of the, the worst scar- of the scariest worst. words in the English language, yep. sticking them together, like calling yourself a pedo-rapist or something like that. Uh, I mean, mm. it's it's awful, awful term. But, uh, you know, the, the people understand people in the liberty community may understand this term, but people outside of it don't. Exactly. And it's a great way to, you know, it's a great way to paint somebody as dangerous and irrelevant is to call them an anarchist. Right. And that's the difference between Ron Paul and those thinkers. Because we had a guy call in earlier, John, I think it was, who, you know, said, well, all these smart people like Milton, whoever, and well, Roderick Long, uh, Roderick Long, et cetera, you know, Charles these, these uh, you know, brilliant thinkers, they call themselves anarchists. You guys should be anarchists, too. But Ron Paul knows better than that. Because Ron Paul isn't just a great thinker, he's a public speaker. He's someone who's addressing the message of liberty to the masses. And he understands that if you want people to pay attention to you, you can't just use a term like that, that people have pre-existing notions about. And uh, whether their notions are correct doesn't matter. You don't have time when you're given a 30-second elevator pitch to correct everyone's misinformation about a particular term. So I just thought it was useful to point out that during his speech, Ron Paul used the term voluntarism. Anyway, apparently someone named Edward Codges uh, apparently cut these quotes out. So uh, to give credit where credit's due, thanks to uh, Edward Codges, here are some excerpts from Ron Paul's farewell address. Quote, what a wonderful world it would be if everyone accepted the simple moral premise of rejecting all acts of aggression. The retort to such suggestion is always... It's too simplistic, too idealistic, impractical, naive, utopian, dangerous, and unrealistic to strive for such an ideal. The answer to that the answer to that is that for thousands of years the acceptance of government force to rule over the people at the sacrifice of liberty was considered moral and the only available option for achieving peace and prosperity. What could be more utopian than that myth, considering that the results, especially right. looking Over at— Over thousands of years that we can see that uh, peace and freedom have not been maintained by these organizations calling themselves the state. No, it does the reverse. Considering the results, especially looking at the state-sponsored killing by nearly every government during the 20th century— Estimated to be in the hundreds of millions. You know, you have to if you go look at uh, look up the uh, Google image search the term democide. That's democide, mm-hmm. and it uh, if you if you use look at the the, the graphs there, and if you take um, famine which is generally caused by governments and their actions, not caused by crops not growing. It's usually soldiers that have come along and set fields on fire and things like mm. that. Or, um, you know, not allowing 
uh, aid to get to people, that kind of thing. If you include half of the number of fam- uh, famine and then all the numbers of governments killing their own citizens and killing other citizens, you'll see that the state was the most dangerous thing in the 20th century. The largest killer of people in the 20th century was governments. Now, I'll give you that those governments tended to be uh, you know, really tyrannical governments like Nazi Germany, the Soviet Union, Cambodia, China, um, you know, Mao Zedong and Pol Pot, these people. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. But that's only taking the idea that the state owns you just one step further. Currently, the United States government claims to own your labor, claims to own your land. If, uh, if It's it, not that far off from North Korea. It's only a, different in, a difference in degrees. It's a difference in degrees. I mean, you don't own your land and you don't own your body. What, I mean, what, what, else, what else is there? So he goes on. Uh, he says it's time to reconsider this grant of authority to the state. Another quote. No good has ever come from granting monopoly power to the state to use aggression against the people to arbitrarily mold human behavior. Such power, when left unchecked, becomes the seed of an ugly tyranny. This method of governance has been adequately tested, and the results are in. Reality dictates we try liberty. Another one. Sadly, we've become accustomed to living with the illegitimate use of force by government. It's the tool for telling the people how to live, what to eat and drink, what to read, and how to spend their money. To develop a truly free society, the issue of initiating force must be understood and rejected. And you see, a lot of people, I'm going to break in here, a lot of people don't understand. They, they don't have a concept of what government really is. Maybe somewhere deep inside them they realize it, but consciously they don't understand it. Like these ladies that were in court today, I, I had a court hearing uh, about the trespass order that got me arrested earlier this year at the courthouse. And these women really did seem frightened by the idea that activists would ask them questions in their parking lot as they were going to their cars on video and singing carols. They were frightened by this. They were scared. And they said things like, I'm just doing my job. I'm not the police. I'm not the judge. They felt like they didn't have a responsibility for what was going on around them. It's Free Talk Live. More Do you have a website or product that you make available to people nationally or even internationally? Free Talk Live is heard on more than 100 radio stations and two XM channels. FTL's also been voted five times the best political podcast of the year and four times been named to Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list, the 100 most important radio programs in the country. We can do ad packages for you from as little as $500 a month on up to $3,000. I'll work with you to customize a package that will work within your budget. Contact me, Mark, at mark at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You may take control of the airwaves if you would like. 855-450-FREE. There's enough time for you and your thoughts if you make the call now. 1-855-450-3733. Join us online, freetalklive.com. And enjoy the features that you'll find on the site. Once again, freetalklive.com. Like the show? Want to help support Free Talk Live? Hey, shop with us. It's that holiday shopping time of the year. And you might as well just do the shopping online because you're going to get a better deal. You're not going to have to deal with the parking and the hassles and the lines and you know the angry customers, the surly clerks. You don't have to deal with any of that stuff. You just stay home and listen to surly talk show hosts. 
I don't know about you, Mark, but I don't feel surly. Uh, you can go you to shop. Sounded. You can go to <laughs> shop.freetalklive.com and you can link into Amazon there. There's Amazon UK, Amazon Canada, and of course Amazon US. Click into the right Amazon for you and just get your shopping taken care of. Get a great deal. It's the same great Amazon prices you're used to. You go through our link. It's the same Amazon. It's just that they're counting it as uh, as a free talk live sale, basically, and they'll cut us a, a portion of their profits when you start. Shopping through uh, shop.freetalklive.com. That's shop.freetalklive.com. We're going back here to Ron Paul and his goodbye speech, his farewell address that he gave to Congress, I guess, within the last uh, couple days or something. Yeah, it seems like like a couple days ago. It's pretty fresh. And thanks to uh, Michael W. Dean over at freedomfiends.com, he has cut out, or actually, someone named Edward Coggis has cut out the uh, some 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 excerpts from what was a 48 minute long address. So we're just going to share the rest of these with you here. Uh so Ron Paul was saying that power left unchecked uh becomes a seed of an ugly tyranny. The method of governance has been ad- this method of governance has been adequately tested and the results are in. Reality dictates we try liberty. He goes on to say that to develop a truly free society, the issue of initiating force must be understood and rejected. Granting to government even a small amount of force is a dangerous concession. Yeah. He says, first, I'd be willing to grant this uh, small amount of force. I'm willing to live in the uh, small, limited republic. I'm, I'm led, you know, if, if sure, it, just point it out, Mark. Right. If, if you just just show me this limited republic that manages to stay limited. I think that there's some arguments for some places around the world. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's they, if, if you can't keep the free market principles in play, then you're not going to be wealthy and they're just not able to do it. Well, yeah, because power corrupts, and science has proven this over and over again. Uh, Experience proves it. History proves it. These people that are elected to public office can't keep their hands out of the till. They can't keep uh, the temptation for rewarding their friends and punishing their enemies away from them. Except for Ron Paul. Apparently, he's managed to, uh, to fend it off the whole time. But clearly, he is the exception and not the rule. Let's go on, though. He says, first, we recognize that individuals shouldn't initiate violence. Then we give the authority to government. Eventually, the immoral use of government violence when things go badly will be used to justify an individual's right, he puts that in quotes, to do the same thing. Neither the government nor individuals have the moral right to initiate violence against another, yet we are moving toward the day when both will claim this authority. If this cycle is not reversed, society will break down. Another quote from Ron, he says, legalizing a government monopoly for initiating aggression can only lead to exhausting liberty associated with chaos, anger, and the breakdown of civil society. More from Ron. Humanitarian arguments are always used to justify government mandates related to the economy, monetary policy, foreign policy, and personal liberty. This is on purpose to make it more difficult to challenge. But initiating violence for humanitarian reasons is still violence. Good intentions are no excuse and are just as harmful as when people use force with bad intentions. The results are always negative. And this is a point that uh, that people that consider themselves liberals, this is one of the most critical points that they're missing. Because a lot of liberals really do care about other people. 
A lot of them do. It's a, and, yeah, it's a big concern of theirs. And they believe that... Uh, I think that conservatives care, too, um, in a lot of ways. They don't come off that way. It, it depends. It depends on who you're talking to. But I think that you could speak that, that many conservatives will say that... You know, if you reward bad behavior, that many people are in in dire straits, and we want to help those people. But many people are in dire straits because of bad behavior. And if you reward with an entitlement bad behavior, all you're going to get is more bad behavior. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do is we want to help people through that need it through charity and incentivize people who do not need it to work. I think that that's what many uh, conservatives would say, and I tend to agree with that statement. Well, maybe that's true, Mark, but the the understanding I've gotten from conservatives over the years has been, you just need to break it down and not build anything else back up. They don't really seem to focus on the, let's here's how we can help people without violence uh, answer. I they just you. want to stop the welfare programs, and that makes them sound callous. I got gotcha. you. Um, and, uh, you know, I understand in this in these economic times, I understand why people feel that way. Why in the world should I be paying for this person who's smoking cigarettes? Well, or they that felt person that way 30 years ago, too. Yeah, I got gotcha, you, man. I'm just telling you, that's how it comes off. It comes off If that you're a conservative and you're not talking about what you want to do after welfare is abolished, then you're going to sound like you're, you know, you don't care about people. So charity is the mo- only moral option. And this is the most right. charitable country on the face of the earth. And no, 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 it's only it's not only the most charitable country, but it's also charitable that to that extent with all the government forced mandates so you're talking when you're talking about charity you're talking about outside of government spending so if you had no more government welfare program that would be and by the way there's lots of corporate welfare too and that's terrible also uh but if you did not have these government welfare programs people would have more money with which they could decide to which charities to you know to grant that money uh they could decide to save it give it away in the ways they think are best and then we'd have decentralized charity efforts that would be competitive and charities would be out there competing for your dollar by being the most efficient and the most effective and the most uh the best at helping people i would want to give to the charities that are doing the best job or the charities that shared my moral views or the charities that you know fill in the blank right the only advantage that uh, the government has in the area of charity is that they can take your house away or throw you in jail if you don't participate in their charity program whereas and that what that requires from them uh, is not efficiency. They don't need efficiency. They don't have efficiency. No, it requires a club and a cage. And and by all evidence, they spend about uh, you know thirty percent of their money on poor people and seventy percent of their money on the bureaucrats. Uh, government bureaucrats. And it's usually the opposite of that with charities. Correct. So you can be twice as efficient with a charity as the government can be. And you know. When you look at the taxes, uh, the the income tax situation, the vast majority, the the majority of Americans don't pay. Yeah, you can. So why do you need this efficiency? When when you say inefficiency, I should say. When you say it's twice as efficient, uh, that's a bare minimum. It would be more efficient because you get to choose uh, which charities you give money to, and so therefore the efficiency quotient will continue to increase further. You will then eliminate from the, the charities will eliminate people who don't really need it off of the rolls. The recipients. Well, yeah. we don't know how many people need charity and who don't. Liberals would probably say, oh, maybe 25 percent, um, you know, maybe 10 percent of people who are getting government uh, subsidies or whatever are, uh, you know, fudging it. But who cares? We need to give it to people. Now, I can tell you this is, is that, um, you know, that uh, the insurance agencies out there will claim that 25 percent of uh, insurance fr- uh, in insurance claims are fraudulent. Now, I can only assume with an organization like the government where 
probably the punishment would be more harsher, but the enforcement is much laxer, that you probably have a larger amount of fraud involved. That's just a guess on my part. I don't know. Maybe it's 50%. Maybe it's 25%. I'll bet you it's not 10%. They don't have the incentive to root it out. They just don't. They have the incentive. As a matter of fact, right now they're trying to get people on the rolls. I've even heard of them getting people that aren't even citizens, that aren't even in the country on the rolls. No, if you get them on welfare, they'll vote for you. Back to Ron Paul. Just a few more quotes from his farewell address. Quote, the idealism of non-aggression and rejecting all offensive use of force should be tried. The idealism of government-sanctioned violence has been abused throughout history and is the primary source of poverty and war. The theory of a society being based on individual freedom has been around a long time. It's time to take a bold step and actually permit it by advancing this cause rather than taking a step backwards, as some would like us to do. He also said, A moral people must reject all violence in an effort to mold people's beliefs or habits. And ultimately, that's all that liberty-minded people are asking for. Hey, Just don't force people to do things against their will. Don't force people to not do things that they want to do. How about you just take the force out of it and then let everybody decide what to do? And if somebody does use force, then you come down on like like a ton of bricks. Yeah, and and you know that that makes sense. But what people can't see is they just can't believe that people would do the right thing. They just they have this vision of uh, you know humans as these evil creatures that will take as much as they can take, and if you let them have an inch, they'll take a mile, and they're going to screw each other over and kill each other and rape each other if you didn't have government. And it's it's ridiculous. We don't behave that way because it's in our best interest to cooperate. I hear the speeches from today from one of our uh, producers. Excellent. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. And by the way, I linked to Ron Paul's speech on our Facebook and Twitter, so you can see it there. I've been told no in many different ways. I give you an order and you're going to obey it. Who told you you can You can do that and you have to leave here. You cannot bring signs into the rally. Walk with me. Well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm comfortable me. here, actually. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, hey. 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 Who do you think you Excuse are? me. There is no video or audio allowed in this office. No, I have work today. This is... You ain't going to make it. Wait, no, now. Wait a minute. Hey! Oh my god! Bureaucrats have a funny way of telling people no. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. Available now free in HD. See it now at victimlesscrimespree.com.